It's the big one. The Sky Half Price Sale is here. Choose from award-winning Sky TV and everything on Netflix or unmissable sports with every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports all half price. Take Sky Cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters or grab Sky Broadband Ultrafast for lightning fast speeds. Choose one that suits you. They're all half price for six months. Save big in the Sky Half Price Sale. Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September. Are you a charitable person? Would you go out of your way for others? What lengths would you go for others? A few coins here and there, or do you give up your time for others? Or do you do anything at all? What could you do? How far could you go? It is the life of a woman from County Down which answers these questions for us. This is her story. In County Down, in 1867, a child was born. Her name was Amy Carmichael. Amy was the daughter of middle-class Presbyterian miller David, who had six other children with his wife Catherine. Amy was the eldest. David and Catherine raised each of their children in the Christian faith, encouraging them to follow the twelve principles of Jesus. Humility, mission, sacrifice, kindness, storytelling, leading by example, discipline, servitude, solitude, generosity, evangelism, and of course, love. Each evening, Amy's parents would sit with their children and discuss with them how to be good Christians and of how important it was that they treat others as they themselves would like to be treated. They taught them that if they were to do this, all the riches in the world could not purchase the inner peace and love they would carry in their soul. For her schooling, Amy was sent to Harrogate Ladies College, North Yorkshire, England. Here she worked hard at her studies and continued to hold her religion close to her identity. While here, the rest of the family moved up to Belfast following Amy's father's work. Amy thoroughly enjoyed her time in the school as it was broadening her horizons and limitations began to remove themselves from her mind. The wheels of life powered on and she felt like she was going somewhere. These wheels came to an almighty halt however as Amy received word that her father had passed away. She returned to Belfast heartbroken. It was in this heartache that Amy found a great comfort in her religion. She later wrote of this time. My mother had often talked to me about the Lord Jesus, and as I sat on her knee, she had sung hymns to me. I had felt the love of the Lord Jesus and nestled in his love just as I had nestled in her arms but I had not understood that there was something more to do, 
something that may be called coming to him or opening the door to him or giving oneself to him. Back in Belfast, Amy began to study music and ensured she went to service every Sunday morning. After a few weeks of following this routine, Amy was walking home from service with her brother and as they walked from the church grounds, they saw an elderly lady trip on a curb. The lady fell from the sidewalk, her forehead and nose breaking her fall. As she lay there motionless, the rain began to drizzle and without warning, it exploded into an almighty downpour. The lady was clearly not from wealth, as Amy could tell from what she was wearing as her Sunday best. She had been carrying her groceries, likely her family's food for the week, potatoes, milk and eggs. The potatoes had rolled from the bag and lay on the dirty road, but were good to be recovered. The milk and eggs had smashed and were now no more than simple additions to the rising waters. The fundamental aspect of this lady's weekly plan to keep her and her family fed and alive were now instead on their way to becoming stains on a Belfast street. Amy quickly absorbed all that she was seeing and rushed over to the lady to help her up. She cleared the blood from her face and picked the bits of road material from her cuts. Amy took from her pockets all the money she had and gave it to the woman. She instructed her brother to do the same. It wasn't much as they themselves were struggling after the death of their father, but it was all they had. As they helped, the lady looked Amy in the eye to thank her, and as she did, Amy noticed a bright light over the lady's shoulder. In her own words, As I helped, I heard God speak. In a blinding flash, his words came to me from a nearby fountain. From this moment, something evolved in Amy, and she discovered her reason for being. Later that day, as Amy and her mother were walking through Belfast, Amy had the sudden urge to help all the people who needed it. As they walked, they passed through the nearby mills. The people here were locally known as the Shawleys, as the poor could easily be identified by the shawls they wore across their shoulders for warmth. Typically, these people would work 14 hours a day in terrible conditions in the mills and were not paid enough to purchase a daily meal for themselves, never mind their families. That day, young Amy spoke with the Shawleys and asked how she might be of help. She was not well connected or wealthy, but she had the will to help. She started by bringing them to church services in order to try and find the comfort and peace she felt after allowing God into her life. She thought that if she could help them with this, maybe the days wouldn't be so hard for them and they might find some comfort on a daily basis. They quickly found out, however, that they were not welcome at the churches, as they were not from an acceptable enough class to attend. 
Horrified by the notations of class when it came to religion, Amy set out on a mission. She pestered the wealthy of the city for donations, telling them that if they funded the project she was working on, then the poor wouldn't attend the church which did not want them. After months of constant pestering, Amy gathered £500 and bought a tin-roofed building. She called it the Welcome Hall and opened its doors to anyone who wished to take a moment for themselves. As time went on, Amy's family found money harder and harder to come by. Facing bankruptcy, they left Belfast and moved to Manchester. As soon as her feet touched the port of Manchester, Amy set off on her missions again. She walked the streets of Manchester, seeking out the city's slums and helping in any way she could. The conditions of the city were terrible for the poor and Amy tried her best to help as many people as she could. While in Manchester, she suffered badly from neuralgia, a disease of the nerves that made her whole body weak and achy and often put her in bed for weeks on end. Whilst laid up in bed, an elderly Christian man asked her to join him near the Lake District to help care for him in his later years, but to also be able to manage her own health better. She lived at her home in Cumberland, helping with his religious work, leading the weekly scripture union and writing her first book, Bright Words. Sometime after finishing her book, Amy's health began to improve And late one night, as she lay in bed in silence, she again heard the voice of God, who told her she must be abroad. Amy joined the evangelist band after learning that they were heading for Japan. With this group, she set off for Asia. In Japan, Amy found life difficult. She could not grasp the language or the rhythm of the people. She insisted, however, that herself and her fellow missionaries follow Japanese traditions, using their eating utensils, dressing in their traditional garments and using local greetings and customs. As things began to settle for her, Amy's health took a turn again and she was sent by the missionaries to modern-day Sri Lanka to rest. Whilst laid up here, she learnt that the Christian man of the Lake District had had a stroke and she rushed back to care for him again. She stayed with him for a year and when his health improved again, she left with the Zanana Missionary Society who were heading to India. She decided on this mission and her health would be placed to one side as she was determined to help once she saw the conditions of the people of India. At the time Amy arrived in India, the proud people of India had memories of what was once their land. The people of India had not missed the Industrial Revolution, they were banned from it. Before it had arrived, India was responsible for 23% of the world's wealth. It was the world's lead exporter of textiles. 
When the British Empire arrived to its shores, however, this was to stop. A policy of loom smashing was brought in, where any materials of tools used to create luxurious textiles were destroyed by British soldiers. This included the loom workers, who had their thumbs cut off so they could no longer work them, nor show others how to do the same. The exports from India were taxed heavily by the Crown in London. The profits were now the profits of the Empire, not India. The people of India were also forced to purchase British cloth, which had high import taxes added to it. Again, these taxes went to a land far away from India, a land which had no real interest in India. By the time Amy arrived, India was a broken land. Amy herself was suffering, but she was not going to give up on the people once she saw the lives they were living, or rather surviving. Here she again tried to understand the locals. She wore their cloth, ate their food and tried to speak their language. When the locals saw that she had a real interest in helping and was not just there for the postcards and stories, they began to embrace her. Such was the trust they had in her, she was brought to a group of Indian women who had been persecuted for converting from Hinduism to Christianity. She observed that on a daily basis these women would walk onto the streets of India and be beaten and scorned for placing their trust in Jesus, her Jesus, the man her parents had taught her about, the man who had led her here to help. Amy took it upon herself to protect these women. She left her mission and began living with them. I sidetrack for a moment to introduce you to Prina. Prina was a young Indian girl. Her mother had died about a year before she met Amy. Before her death, she had left Prina in the care of a local Hindu temple for her safekeeping. The life Prina was living was far from what her mother had hoped for her. After her mother's death, the temple had forced her to become a temple prostitute. A sexual plaything for the elders of the temple. She was no older than eight years old. She had tried to run away a number of times, but powerful men don't like to be outsmarted by children. When she was caught, she was returned to the temple and had her hands branded with hot pokers. The red hot poker was placed into the palm of her little hands and she was forced to grip it until it melted into her. Crying and screaming, she was tortured in her sanctuary. Amy's life continued with the persecuted women of India and as she walked with her friends through a street, they passed a temple. As they passed, Amy spotted a child at the top of the temple's steps looking at her. Amy waved to the child and as the child waved back, 
Amy saw the most horrible scar in the small child's hand. From the scar, a light beaconed from it, and Amy said herself, It was not at this moment she heard the voice of Jesus for the third time. It was instead the first time she saw his face. She bolted from her group and ran to the child. It was Prina, and she grabbed her and pulled her tight into her arms, as her mother had done and as Jesus had done. Amy didn't fully understand what was happening, but she felt an almighty emotion come over her, and she left out a roar as tears hurried down her cheeks. As she held Prina, the temple workers ran over to see what was happening. As they saw the temple prostitute being helped by the Christian woman, they tried to pull her from her arms. Amy pushed them off, and in her deep county down accent she shouted, You keep your hands away from this beautiful child. She then carried Prina and ran to the persecuted women. They formed a wall around Amy and Prina and they ran to safety. When they returned to their sanctuary, Prina told them of the life she was living. Amy was disgusted that this could happen to a child who had been sent to the temple for safety. Amy began to investigate what was happening and discovered that this was a common practice. She discovered some children were being sold to the temple for money in order for the rest of the family to eat. Others were simply taken after the death of their parents. Boys and girls, it didn't really matter. Amy did what she knew best. She prayed to God for help and she set out to raise money to try and rescue the children. She was publicly criticised for her role, taking on a church she had no place in. She was attacked on the streets. She was banned from society. To know her was a crime. To meet her was a gift. Through her efforts, not only did Amy begin rescuing the children, she opened up a large hostel and even a hospital for them. Over the next seven years, Amy formed her own missionary group which set out across India saving children. She created a small community called Donavor. Donavor began to grow rapidly and soon schools, nurseries and houses were built for the saved children. Over the next 40 years, Amy's work had expanded so much and saved so many that over 800 people were now living as saved people in this village she had created. She even put pressure on the government to change laws and eventually got the practice of temple prostitutes outlawed. Amy's direct efforts slowed down after the first 40 years of Donovar as she broke her leg in a bad accident which left her lying in a bed for the last 20 years of her life. In these 20 years, she wrote and published 38 books, 
which are available today in over 25 languages. In 1951, at the age of 83, having never left India from the day she arrived, Amy passed away in Donovar. As for Donovar itself, today it still stands and operates as an orphanage, housing 500 children on 400 acres with 16 nurseries and a hospital. Today's music was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is Anam Dung, Gurav Mahagut, Slán